Okay. Uh, I didn't do it all right, so I didn't okay. It's the same thing, essentially, but we're going to go with okay. Uh, okay uh, no, all right. Yeah, Final Four uh, is tomorrow, apparently. I mean, I don't know. Everyone's bitching about ratings as if why would we care about ratings? I don't know why the general public tries to care about ratings. What does it matter? Isn't the real Final Four start tonight, though? The one, the one that the tickets are three times as high as the men's? Well, you 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 played your hand by saying that last part, your narrative or uh, your 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 thoughts here. Uh, I mean, hey, uh, I think the winner on the men's side is more unlikely or unknown. I would say, wrong wrong word, more unknown than the women's side. Sure, because I think South Carolina is probably unbeatable, right? I mean, let's be honest. Anyway, yeah. Uh, if Iowa wins, it counts for the Big Ten, but. Uh, yeah, so you got you got you know the elite eight games; those happen right whenever those were Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, feels like the gap between the elite eight and the final four is always way too long, but I guess that's just because it's five days, so it's more than any other gap in the tournament. Would you rather it be like on a Wednesday, Friday, no. or something. Okay, no, it's fine the way it is. It's just you know. You just need something to complain about. I get it. Well, it can make people that aren't college basketball diehards lose interest completely, I think. And especially when your first game tomorrow is not Duke, North Carolina. So uh, in the South region, you had San Diego State surviving Creighton. Uh, in in a, I mean, the, to call the 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 foul call questionable would be an understatement because that is just you can't you can't call that. You just yeah, can't. I don't know. Um, you know, people say it's foul, so call it if it's foul. No. Um, I don't. Do they call that at the ten minute mark? That's my question. Because I don't no. think they call that a foul at the ten minute mark. So why would you call it at the two two second mark? Because the refs wanted to get in the mix late. Yeah. Was that big? Was the Big Ten doing that game? Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. Uh, but that's just yeah, that's bad. I mean. Credit to San Diego State for the way they've played this entire tournament, but that game should have gone to overtime. And they were down like 13 in that game, right? No? They were certainly down. It's a different game. I don't know. A certain amount they all of run points. together. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, it's been many a days. Uh, <laughs> and I barely got to watch any of these, so I'm going to well, be very helpful. Well, you know, none of these – only two of these games were really – I guess three. If you don't like offense, then you like San Diego State Creighton. But Creighton uh, two of seventeen from three is brutal, huh? Eesh. Yeah, what can you do? You know, uh, you lose games. That's what you San do. San Diego State's uh, got a good defensive uh, structure. Of course, we all know this. Uh, in the Midwest, Texas blows a double-digit lead late. Miami surges to the finish line, and uh, I mean Miami. Uh, they kind of just do this where they hang around enough to where their offense can explode and yeah. they make every shot. <clears throat> Whoa, I just turned into Bruce Weber. Uh, <laughs> they make every single shot, and that's what happened here. And Texas, I mean. Texas known for choking. We saw Marcus, Marcus Carr late in that game when it was tied. Just yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, what I tell you? Marcus Carr was going to lose that game for him. He didn't you lose. had Timmy Allen, Timmy Allen in the post with a guard on him. I think it was Nigel Pack on him. Yeah, and Carr didn't even give, didn't even look at him. Didn't even give him the ball. That was when it was tied, I believe. So that's kind of an issue. Uh, but Texas does the unthinkable. 
and uh, keeps Rodney Terry as their head coach, and we'll see what happens next season. I think you look at this team now, you're like, okay, you're going to have Tyrese Hunter. You're going to have a couple. They got a couple really good recruits coming in, I believe. Uh, Ron Holland is a is a five-star name that, that you hear a lot about. Um, nice but I guess – it's uh, Tom Holland. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, moving forward, we'll see what the Texas program looks like. Obviously, when uh, when Rodney Terry had a chance at UTEP, wasn't great, but I believe he was at Fresno State before that and made a tournament. So, you know, we'll see. It's a little bit of a different gig in Texas. Obviously, more resources. They also have A.J. Johnson. So they have yeah. number six and number 18 coming in in 23, assuming those guys stay, which I – I think they would have said they weren't I like it's a direct slap in the face to be giving Chris Beard five million and then you give Rodney Terry three point five million. No, I don't think it's anything because I think Chris Beard is way more uh experienced and has a way better resume. Got to a national got to overtime a national championship at Texas Tech. And uh Chris Beard Chris Beard at worst is one of the ten best coaches in the country right now. I, I know what he what he did was obviously, I mean, what are you, what are you, an idiot? Would be my thoughts if I were talking to him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Chris Beard. I don't think it's anything because I think just normal value. Chris Beard's a better coach by a mile. <laughs> I, I don't know what you say, uh, but yeah, you know, if you if you want to play this game, I mean, we can look up Chris Beard's resume if you really want to go there. No, I don't care. That Does Chris Beard get this team to a Final Four? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, but Chris Beard, yeah, uh, Elite Eight, second round at Arkansas Little Rock, runner-up at Texas Tech, second round. And, yeah, so there you go. I don't, And they got to the second round last year, too, but they lost to Purdue. So we'll see what happens with Rodney Terry moving forward. Uh, best of luck, you know, obviously. Uh, no ill will here. We, we waxed the, the Texas squad uh, with our squad earlier this season, so. Yes, we did. Suck on that, Texas. Uh, all right. The West, where UConn continues to just absolutely obliterate teams uh, as they are – I mean, if they win the next two games by 10-plus, we're talking about the most dominant run in the history of the tournament, I think. Um, yeah. They've just killed everybody. They beat Gonzaga by – what was the score? 82-54? Oh, my Almost God. 30, yeah. Yeah, Gonzaga never really had a chance, I guess. Gonzaga, top – are they top two offense? Top one, four, six, they nine? Were, they were number one going in, and they still are number one. 54 points. Yeah, that's got to be the least amount they've scored all year. Uh, before that, it was uh, 63 against Baylor, and uh, which is weird. I guess Baylor decided to play defense in that game because Baylor defensively not great. Uh, but even when Texas – or even when Texas made Gonzaga look bad – Gonzaga still scored 74 points. So this is kind of a different level of that uh, because UConn is just – like UConn was a great – and I said it going in, and I'm just an idiot because I'm picking against UConn every time for some reason, and I'm not right. going to do it this time, and they're probably going to lose. But anyway, uh, UConn, like they have the guys to guard not only Gonzaga's guards but also Timmy because Sonogo and Klingon off the bench – I feel like they could pretty much put up with any matchup for any team anywhere. So I'm not yeah. too surprised that they lost, but Gonzaga was definitely 
not in a good spot going into this game, given the matchup. Yeah. Uh, another team that two of 20 from three. So that's, uh, it's not going to win a lot of games. Also 12 of 22 from the line. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to think about, you know, uh, the fact that if Gonzaga is not getting any production from their guards, yeah, you could pretty much end it. Uh, Cause I don't know how much you're going to get from, Anton Watson on the offensive end, nor should you expect to get that. It's just you need Malachi Smith to make some shots. He only had eight points, and uh, you know you need Strother to to do some things. He had eleven, but was zero for six from three. Yeah, just a huge contrast with Timmy having thirty six against UCLA and then only twelve against uh, against UConn. I guess that just shows that turns out when UCLA doesn't have a dim bona and they have uh, Mac ETN guarding. Drew Timmy in spots, and it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, and uh, it's a difference. So, I'm not surprised UConn won, but I am surprised they won by that much. I think I could have said, okay, they won by 16. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But 28 is extreme. Uh, The East Region, FAU, continues to make big shots down the stretch, and they beat Kansas State. Uh, I have no clue why Marquise Noel gave up the ball on that last second shot. Should have just thrown it up instead of having uh, whoever he gave it to. Would he give it to Ish Mahmood, who shot it about 30 feet short? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marquis Noel can kind of can can really, really help you, but he could also hurt you in certain spots. And uh, we saw some of that in this game. And uh, I don't think anybody ever thought Kansas State was a legitimate national title threat. Maybe close. But either way... They went on a hell of a run, and it shows a lot about FAU, I think, that FAU was able to hang around. Uh, you'll see later that FAU, if they make – they've made eight or nine threes in every single tournament game thus far. So those mm-hmm. are helpful, obviously. Uh, when you have John L. Davis, who is their best player, who shoots 37% from three, he goes 0 for 4 from three, but you're still able to win, and you're still able to make nine threes with uh, Elijah Martin having three and Brian Greenlee having four. And they outscored. Uh, they got outscored by ten in the first ten minutes of the second half, but then outscored uh, K State by nine in the final ten. So every single game of this tournament, and they were kind of lucky to beat Memphis. But other than that, they've been terrific in in late game situations for the entire tournament. Yeah, well, they, they were what a, a buzzer beater away from not even getting out of the first round. So yeah, they're doing um, something. Conference USA. Woo. Yeah, Conference USA, a CBI title, an NIT title, uh, a little Conference USA uh, on cro- CUSA on CUSA crime with North Texas and UAB yeah. in the NIT championship, which I didn't watch at all, but I'm glad everybody else really? on Twitter was watching. No interest in the NIT, just none. I can't. I watched Wisconsin, North Texas the other day because I wanted to see the Big Ten choke in March again. But uh, yeah, I just I can't with the with the. We'll get into some conference USA history here soon. I got history on each conference, so. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, let's just look at the final ten minutes of every tournament game for FAU thus far. Okay, they outscored K State in the final ten, twenty five sixteen. They outscored Tennessee in the final ten, twenty four sixteen. They outscored FAU twenty seven twenty in the final ten. And they outscored Memphis 22-14 in the final 10. So that's plus 8, plus 7, plus 8, plus 9 in the final 10. So That's how you win games. 
That's how you uh, beat teams late, and I'm very curious to see the Mensa versus Golden matchup underneath because Mensa's blocked a lot of shots for SDSU in the first few games. We're going to see if he can handle Vlad Golden underneath. That'll be very interesting to see. And I, FAU UConn, if that happens in the national title game, Golden versus Sonogo, we'll see. We'll see. Sonogo's not as big as him, so or at least height-wise. But I think Sonogo's significantly better, so that's just just my thoughts. Uh, okay, let's look at the history of each school in the Final Four. Now, when you look at the first three teams, you're like, okay. Then when you get to UConn, it's a bit different than the other three. But we'll start with San Diego State. Uh, this is their 15th NCAA tournament appearance, dating back to 1975 was their first. Sweet 16 appearances in 2011, 2014, and 2023. Sixth season under head coach Brian Dutcher. Uh, fourth NCAA tournament uh, appearance with him. They would have made it in 2020 as well, so that's five if you want to look at it that way. Uh, they'd never reached the round of 32 before uh, this season with Dutcher as their head coach. Really? And uh, they've won 20-plus games in all six seasons under Dutcher, and they're at 31 right now. So... In terms of his tenure there, they've won a lot of games. Uh, they've had a couple of years where they should have been in the tournament, but they didn't win the conference tournament, and the conference was a little bit weaker in those in those seasons. So overall, they've had some success. Uh, probably the, I would say probably the third most successful program in the Final Four. It's close between them and Miami, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, let's look at Florida Atlantic, where things just get kind of weird. Uh, this is their second tournament appearance in program history. 2002 was their other one. They won the regular season in the Sun Belt in 2011. They went 21-11 and 11 that season. And as I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, this is their second season with 20-plus wins in school history. 21-11 and 11 in 2011 didn't make the tournament. And then they're 35-3 and three right now. Uh, this is their fifth season under head coach Dusty May. Dusty May had five different assistant coaching gigs before landing the FAU job, and he went to Indiana, and he was a manager there, and then he had five assistant coaching gigs after that. Uh, he went 19 – manager, like yeah. for the basketball team? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he went 19-15 and 15 and 11-7 and 7 in the Conference USA last season. They lost in the first round of the CBI, and uh, he's about to sign a big extension, so uh, – Maybe they'll upgrade some of the uh, some of the facilities there because I know that they're some of the worst in the conference. Yeah, I the uh, the court's beautiful though. Have you seen that picture floating around? Well, it's in Boca Raton, so that would make sense that that's all yeah, we I mean, care they, about. They uh, definitely show Oregon how you actually put trees on a basketball court and not make it look hideous. I'll be the judge of that. I don't know why you're taking shots at Oregon. I mean, that looks terrible. What looks terrible? Your court looks dumb. What do you mean? Doesn't do it for me. Beautiful. Definitely seen it before. I just didn't pay attention. I was like, I guess that's Oregon. Oh, wait, that's not Oregon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they those palm trees look like big cypress trees, so I get it. <laughs> the color is the same. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I definitely watched FAU home game some of their home games this year i don't remember paying attention to the court but maybe that's a me thing whatever uh yeah. all right let's look at miami miami this is their 12th ncaa tournament appearance 
Their first was in 1960, and they didn't return to the tournament until 1998. And that is because there was a program hiatus from 1971 to 1985 because the University of Miami dropped the basketball program. So they had about 14 seasons gone. So they went 38 years between tournament appearances. Uh, and so that's not great. Uh, but anyway, they made the Sweet 16 in 2000. They made it in 2013, asterisk, uh, totally rigged in that game against Illinois. Uh, 2016. 2022 and 2023 they've only advanced the elite eight in 2022 and 2023 so the last two seasons are their only elite eight appearances this is their first final four in school history uh this is their 12th season for uh jim laranaga as their head coach he said that the NCAA tournament should expand to at least 96 teams that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard so i hope that he was trolling or something because that is ridiculous <laughs> uh, but anyway, this is a six tournament no, appearance. Man. Yeah, well, that's just – I mean, I would say that too if I were an ACC coach and the ACC was where it's at right now because uh, they are carrying the ACC on their back, even though I don't see why schools like Pitt are taking a victory lap because Miami is in the final. We're like, oh, everybody said the ACC suck. Yeah, Pitt beat an Iowa State team that scored 41 points <laughs> in the first round. So anybody would have beaten Iowa State. Iowa State was mid sure. Terrible six seed, the worst six seed in the history of basketball. Seriously, that Iowa State this season is the worst six seed I've ever seen. Anyway, Laranega at Miami, four Sweet Sixteens, two Elite Eights, one Final Four. Uh, so that's four Sweet Sixteens and six tournament appearances. So that's pretty good. Um, also went to the Final Four with George Mason, of course, in two thousand six. And I would say that Laranega is quietly one of the better active NCAA tournament coaches there is. 16 and 10 overall is a pretty good record. Yeah. So two Final Fours with two different programs. Back-to-back Elite Eights at Miami, a program where they hadn't been to the Elite Eight before. They claim to be a football school, even though their football program still sucks. So it's <laughs> true. There you go. Speaking of a school that's got a football program that might be a little bit better than it used to be, which it definitely is, is UConn. Uh, their football program was a disaster a few years ago. They've gotten a little bit better under the guidance of uh, Coach Mora, of course. Uh, they're the only program in this Final Four that has a serious history. And uh, I don't think that really surprises anybody with, with what we've seen from UConn. This is their sixth Final Four in school history, 1999, 2004, 2011, 2014, 2023. And uh, that's with three different coaches. They won national championships in uh, – Let's see, 1999, 2004, 2011, 2014. Uh, but also, I forgot a Final Four year when I was saying Final Four. So let me just, unless I did my math wrong, let me hang on a sec here, folks. Bear with me. It's a lot of note taking. I must have got lost. Uh, 2009, they also made the Final Four. Excuse me. So they've won the national championship in four of their five previous Final Four appearances. Yeah. And what, this might be the easiest road ahead. No offense to the other teams. What are your thoughts on uh, blue blood fans not calling UConn a blue blood? Do you consider think, UConn in the blue bloods? Because I always have. So I think it's. I think there shouldn't even be any such thing as a blue blood if UConn's not in the conversation. I agree. If we're going to put schools schools that haven't done anything in 30 years up against a school that's won 
four national championships in the last 24 years, then mm-hmm. what are we doing? And it says a lot about program stability, even though they had a couple rough years after Kevin Ali, but three different coaches in that time as well. Yeah. It also says a lot about just like programs that there's always like Syracuse was that way. When Syracuse would get in the tournament, they'd always go on a deep run. UConn, when they get in the tournament, unless it's the last two years before this, they usually make a big run. So, I mean, the fact they've been to the final four, this is the, they've been there five times before this year and they won the title four times. It's just like, okay. Uh, Jim Calhoun won three championships in 26 seasons as their head coach from 1986, 2012. And Kevin Ollie won it in 2014. That didn't work out. Uh, this is their fifth season under Dan Hurley. They're 52 and 18, their last two seasons overall. Uh, but they lost in the first round in 2021 and 2022. I believe they lost to, I want to say, Maryland in 2021 and uh, New Mexico State last season. That is correct. They lost to Maryland by nine as a seven seed in 2021. And in 2022, they lost to New Mexico State as a five seed by seven. And obviously, New Mexico State's the biggest disaster in, in college basketball right now since last season they had uh, Serge Barry Rice and Chris Jans, and both those guys gone, and the program's dead. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Hurley made the second round twice at Rhode Island in 2017 and 2018 before taking the UConn job. Obviously, UConn was in the American for a while. That kind of ruined everything for them. But they're back in the Big East, and uh, eventually, I think that they this would happen. Not surprising, given the way this team started fourteen and zero. Yeah. All right. Uh, what go? You're about to say uh, history of each school. What? No, I wasn't saying anything. I thought you were. I'm pretty sure right. you were. Pretty yeah. sure. I was just saying that you you were on UConn all year, midway through the season. They were your number one, and you just you fell out. You weren't a fan anymore. Look at you now. Not sure about that. Um, all right. Let's look at the, the, the I got, conference. I got video proof. Good, good, good. Uh, let's get the conference perspective here just to look at each conference. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different when we talk about the ACC than when we talk about Conference USA. Uh, but let's look at the Mountain West. Actually, the Mountain West the least successful out of the four conferences. Obviously, the youngest as well. Uh, they have one Final Four team in their history, which is San Diego State. Really? Their tournament record as a conference, and take into account that this is any team that's ever been in the Mountain West while they were in the Mountain West. Okay, so Utah would count. Uh, the Mountain West is twenty six and fifty eight in fifty nine tournament appearances. That's bad. Good. Oh, uh, San Diego State has a record of ten and eleven in the NCAA tournament. Utah went four and six in the tournament when they were in the conference from two thousand to two thousand nine. Utah State. Fresno State, Boise State, and Air Force are a combined 0-10 in the NCAA tournament while in the Mountain West. That sounds right. So the Mountain West, not a lot of tournament success. And I think we've all known that given the fact that they had multiple teams last season that bounced out early. Everybody except for San Diego State this year went out early. Nevada got killed in the first four. Boise State got beat by Northwestern. Utah State got beat by Missouri. So... Don't trust the Mountain West team unless it's San Diego State. I think he's the lesson here. Yeah, I mean, they got to look to upset people to, to go anywhere, right? Is so, there a is there a, a San Diego State? Is there a sports team in the country right now that is less representative or less associated with 
what we think San Diego is than San Diego State. They don't feel like they're in San Diego at all. I think of San Diego, I think the Padres. I think of like sun, palm trees, yeah, beach. Like San Diego State feels like a program that's in like Mexico. New Mexico. <laughs> they're pretty close. So Albuquerque. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. But what can you do? Uh Conference USA. You'll notice that Conference USA's success has pretty much come because of schools that are no longer in the conference. Uh, they have four four Final Fours in their history, dating back to 1996. Uh, they're 60 and 58 in 59 tournament appearances. So that means that the Mountain West and Conference USA both have 59 different tournament appearances in their history, one of which has 60 wins. The other one has 26. Uh, Final Four teams from Conference USA. So – so Marquette made it in 2003 when they were there. Louisville made it in 2005 when they were there. And Memphis, obviously, with Derrick Rose in 2008. And FAU now in 2023. Uh, FAU is 4-0 in school history in the NCAA tournament. About a conference falling off. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not good. Uh, and then you look at other Conference USA members with the most wins. So it starts with, uh, I think, let me look here. Hang on a sec. One moment, please. Hold, please. Hold, please. We're here. Don't worry. Holding. Holding. Before it. Okay. Typed in the wrong thing. Hold again. Oh, man. Fumbling. Here we go. Uh, let's see here. So, wait. Wait for it. Okay, so the most wins right now by an active um, – the most wins right now by an active uh-huh. program in the uh, in the conference is Florida Atlantic with four because Florida Atlantic's other tournament appearance was in a different conference. But uh, So the most tournament wins in the Conference USA in the history, Memphis at 15 – Cincinnati had 12, Louisville had 10, Marquette had 5. So after that, you go to the teams that are actually in there now, and you're like, okay. Uh, Charlotte is 4-7 and seven in tournament history. Really? Uh, UAB is 4-7, and seven, and Middle Tennessee is 2-2. Two and two. So not great, not great. I'm surprised Western Kentucky hasn't done anything, but it's because they are a disappointment every season. So there you go. All right, let's go to the ACC where it's just like, okay. Would you like to guess how many Final Fours the ACC has been to in the history of college basketball? <sighs> You're going to go way over the number probably, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think how many years. Well, this dates back to 1954. Okay. All right. That helps. Uh, 70. I'm going to go with 62. It is 49, 49, right. 49 final four appearances from ACC teams, 15 national championships, uh, 475 and 249 in 262 appearances overall. Uh, final four teams since 2015. We'll go back to Duke's national championship in 2015. You have Duke and North Carolina in 2021. You have Virginia in 2019. You have North Carolina also in 2016 and 2017. You have Syracuse in 2016, and you have Duke in 2015. Three three championships since 2015. Duke won it in 15. North Carolina won it in 17. Virginia won it in 19. 
which make makes you think that it would have added up that if they won in 15, 17, and 19, they would have won in 21. And if North Carolina could hold a lead, they would have won in 21. They would have had four straight every other year champions out of the uh, out of the ACC. And I don't impressive. If Louisville was in the ACC in 2013, that would have been five because they were in the Big East at the time when they won in 13. So even though people try to pretend that title's vacated, which I think is – give me a break. Who cares? Uh, anyway, <laughs> the ACC has been very successful, and uh, it <clears throat> almost has nothing to do with Miami, but here they are. <clears throat> so go ahead and keep taking those victory laps, Pitt, when most of Pitt's program success is when they were in the Big East. The uh... – it, from my math, the ACC has a 60% chance of getting a team to the Final Four. It's pretty good. Well, the conference is totally mid, as the kids say. <laughs> All right, the Big East, the Big yeah. East. The Big East has been a weird conference throughout its history. Obviously, a lot of weird changes here and there, losing some teams they shouldn't have lost, getting some teams they probably shouldn't have. Why is DePaul in the Big East? Whatever. <laughs> Uh, they have 24 Final Fours, which is maybe a little bit lower than you'd think. 43 years, only 24, I guess, that maybe. I mean, Villanova's carried them a lot. Yeah. Uh, nine championships, 353 and 229 overall in 239 appearances. Here are their Final Four teams since 2010. <clears throat> Losing my voice. Okay. It's not, even, it's not even losing the voice. It's just a whole, whole big thing. Uh, Villanova in 2022. Villanova in 2018, Villanova in 2016, Syracuse in 2013 when they were in the Big East, Louisville in 2013 won a national championships. By the way, uh, Villanova 2016 and 2018 were both national championships as well. So that's three titles in 10 years. And Louisville also made it in 2012. And then I said since 2010, so you also have UConn in 2011. Remember, UConn got there in 2014, but they were in the AAC by then. So the American Athletic Conference has a championship uh, in the last nine years, and the Big Ten has zero. Um, And West Virginia made it in 2010. So you look at this with UConn. UConn ranks second in conference history with 52 NCAA tournament wins. Villanova is first with 53. Syracuse is third with 50. And remember, Syracuse isn't even in the conference anymore. They'd be first. Uh, Georgetown is fourth with 45. And then you just are like, okay, Pitt is fifth with 18. So Pitt only 27 spots behind Georgetown. But now they can't increase that number because they're in the ACC. So keep taking those ACC victory laps, Pitt, even though you have 18 tournament wins in your program history when you're in the Big East. Embarrassing. Let's look at how many... Uh, wins Pitt has in the tournament in the ACC? The answer is three. And two of those were this year. And one of them was a fake first four game against the worst offense in the country. Like Pitt, why is Pitt even talking? They beat the two worst offenses in the field <laughs> that weren't 16 seeds. Mississippi State and Iowa State were both horrific offensive basketball teams and Pitt is taking a victory lap it's hilarious to me what are we doing nobody cares that you won 24 games you beat a team that scored 59 points and the team that scored 41 points and let me tell you it wasn't because of your 102nd ranked efficiency defense okay that wasn't what it was Mississippi State's 176th on offense they're the worst three-point shooting team in the country 
Iowa State's 113th on offense, 215th from three. I mean, come on. Pitt had two of the most fraudulent tournament wins of the year. The Illini could beat both of those teams. That says a lot, okay? <laughs> All right. So I think from a history perspective, it's pretty easily the ACC, the Big East, and then the Conference USA with teams that aren't even there anymore and then the Mountain West. So I don't think any of that matters in terms of what's going to happen here. I think it's unfortunate that the two best teams left are going to be playing each other, but that's just the way that it shook out this year. And I think it's weird that we have two fives, a four, and a nine in the final four. All right, let's look at the uh, the tail of the tape, as they say in the UFC, and boxing and, and such of uh, such. Of such. Uh, yeah, here we go. Sorry, I got distracted by a tweet. Okay, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, this game taking place at 509 Central on CBS. I will be on playback.tv barring anything happening. I don't I don't even know what that means, but should be on playback.tv uh for this game and probably the second one, but we'll see. Uh let's look at some stats. The adjusted offense and defense metrics for both sides. San Diego State 74th and 4th in order of offense and defense and uh FAU a little bit more balanced at 24 and 30th. Uh scoring by game in the tournament. San Diego State has scored 63, 75, 71, 57. They've allowed 57, 52, 64, 56. FAU has scored 66, 78, 62, 79. And they've allowed 65, 70, 55, 76. Which that tells me that San Diego State's held their opponents under 63 times. And the only one they didn't was Alabama. Uh, That's good. Best players on each side, the players that you, you got to see, you want to watch the matchups. Uh, for San Diego State, I think it's Matt Bradley's the number one guy. Averaging 12.5 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, 2.1 assists. He's only had eight points in the last two games, though, so we'll see if he can get it going in this game. And obviously their best player in the tournament's probably been Darian Trammell, uh, who averaged nine and two and three in the regular season. So, or I guess going into this game, it takes everything into account. But we know him from the 21-point performance against Alabama in the Sweet 16. So he will be a huge part of what San Diego State does in this game. And another one that I mentioned earlier is going to be uh, Nathan Mensa, who averaged six points and six rebounds, averaging three blocks per game in the tournament. He's got 12 blocks in four games. We'll see how he handles Vlad Golden. That's going to be a huge matchup in this game. And I wonder how much FAU is going to bring – Vlad out for the pick and roll or the two-man game with another guard? Are they going to feed the paint against Mensa because Mensa's lengthy and a really good shot blocker? It's going to be interesting to see what Dusty May does there. Maybe you have to rely on your guards to make some shots, but then you look at San Diego State has about 37 guards that are really good defenders and physical. So I don't know. Uh, For FAU, it's guards. It's uh, John L. Davis, 13 points, five rebounds, one assist per game, 29 points in the second round against FDU. Elijah Martin, 13 points, five rebounds, one assist, had 17 points on very efficient shooting against Kansas State, 54 from the field, 43 from three, and 100 from the line. We got Vlad Golden averaging 10.6 rebounds. He's got 40 rebounds in the NCAA tournament, so he's averaging 10 rebounds per game in the four games. 
<clears throat> here's my biggest key for each team. For San Diego State, it is using your guard depth and length to your advantage when guarding FAU's guards. Because San Diego State has a lot of guards that can guard. Mm-hmm. And we can work guard a lot here. But they need to use those because they they did pretty well against Creighton's guards. And uh, Creighton, while FAU's guards are really good, I think Creighton has better guards. So guard the guards. Guard the guards. If Vlad Golden's going to get 20 and 10, you can live with that. But I don't think he is because Mensa, and they have other guys too that can that can block those shots. Just saying. Uh, and then for FAU, you got to make your threes. They've made nine threes in the round of 64 and the Sweet 16. They made eight threes in the round of 32 in the Elite Eight. So you got to hit that number, and it's going to be really hard to do against San Diego State because – Maybe you could pull this up. Uh, the threes that San Diego State's allowed in each game. I know they allowed what two against Creighton, and Alabama made three, I think. So that's going to be a big key. If FAU's not making threes, then San Diego State has them right where they want them. We need elevator music. Do 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 do. Who am I looking up? Creighton. San Diego State threes allowed each game. You think that it's just going to pull that up for me? Uh, two against Creighton. You are correct. Uh, three against Alabama. Three against Alabama. Six against Furman. Fourteen against. Uh, five against Charleston. So they've allowed six or less in each game, and it keeps going down. It went five, then it went six, but then it went three, then it went two, and FAU's made eight or nine. So that's going to be a big key for FAU. Your thoughts on the matchup? Um, I think that San Diego State's defense is uh, too good. I think I think that defense wins you tournaments, and the, I think there's two teams that are better at defense than the other teams. That's very true, and uh, that is a great point. And I'm feel like after talking about yeah, brilliant. I feel like after talking about all these game or this game mm-hmm. and I'm going to regret my pick, but we're just going to stick with it. Um, and I'm going to be wrong anyway, because I'm always wrong. It's stupid. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, yeah. I think, I think if San Diego state played UConn, that would be a horrible matchup for San. I think the UConn's a bad matchup for anybody. I think if UConn just makes like, if Hawkins and caravan make shots, you're dead. Yeah. Cause Sonogo is probably going to have 20 and 10, no matter what, no matter who they're playing. So, We'll see. Maybe the most underrated matchup of the week is Norchad Omir versus Adama Sonogo. So, because a lot of people will be talking about, oh, we got to see uh, how does Andre Jackson defend Jordan Miller and how does uh, Naheem Aline guard Nigel Pack and Jordan Hawkins against uh, Isaiah Wong. I mean, let's look at the, the, the feast underneath. I mean, we got to look at that. Uh, Miami UConn, Ken Palm splits. Offense and defense in order. Miami fifth and 104th. Teams that are unbalanced like that do not win national championships. However, this tournament has made no sense. And my elbow popped. I hope everybody heard that. <laughs> um, UConn and the other end, third and 11th. So UConn, UConn fits the profile of a national champion so much more than anybody else that's left. And it's just going to make no sense when they don't win it. Right. I agree. What team... Other than UConn, what of the other three do you look close your eyes and like I can see them winning a national championship? 
because that's a big part of the tournament. Maybe San Diego State, but the easy answer would be Miami. But we got to stop pretending like Miami has any sort of tournament success. Yeah, San Diego State doesn't really either. But this is so dumb. I mean, it really is. <laughs> I don't want a blue blood Final Four like we had last season, but I'd also like prefer to not have this. But either way, it's not. Do- like- you don't want a dominant team in the Final Four. Is that what you're saying? Well, UConn is a is a dominant team, yeah, but like That's the other three, like the other three, like, come on. Well, I, there needs to be two if there's going to be one. Okay, so right. I think we probably needed to get Marquette in here instead of FAU. No offense, or Alabama instead of San Diego State. Miami's fine. I think everybody expected Miami to go on some sort of run. Not yeah. me. I had them losing the Sweet Sixteen, but. I definitely talked about how they, if anybody – I did, you could pull the clips on this one. I guarantee you I said that if any team in the ACC is going to make a run, it's going to be Miami. I guarantee you I said that. There's no way I didn't say that. Uh, scoring by NCAA game, NCAA tournament game for Miami, 63. How did they score 63 points against Drake? <laughs> 85, 89, 88 in their next three. So they scored 89 against Houston and 88 against Texas. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, points allowed per game, 56, 69, 75, 81. UConn also has scored at a high clip, 87, 70, 88, 82. And they've allowed at a low clip, 63, 55, 65, 54. Everything about this UConn team points to them winning this game by 15 and then winning the national championship by 30. Yeah. Which would be great. I would take the biggest victory lap ever if Dan Hurley won a national championship. Ever. I took a victory lap over saying how good they were last season when they lost in the first round. I retweeted. I was like, oh, well, I'll just see you're off. And then people are like, shut up, idiot. And I'm like, a victory lap. Shut up, idiot. Uh, best players to watch. Best players to watch. I'm going to go. I think Norchad Omer is a very important player in this game for Miami, but I'm going to go guards. I'm going to go Isaiah Wong. Averages uh, 16 points, four rebounds, three assists per game at 27 points against Indiana in the round of 32. Gonna go Jordan Miller, who is the unsung hero of this team. Fifteen points, six rebounds, two assists. They have so much balanced scoring. Uh, but he was seven for seven in the field and thirteen for thirteen in the free throw line against Texas. And I texted you those numbers, and you were like, "Who?" And I was like, "Yeah." I keep calling him Jalen Miller, though, so I think I'm confusing everybody. I don't I think Jalen Miller was that freshman douchebag yeah, from Rutgers from that's that what threw me off. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, Jalen Miller's the freshman douchebag from a couple years ago that tried to fight Trent Frazier for no reason at Rutgers. He's in the portal now, so hope you go play to mid-major and you still suck. Uh, Nigel Pack, 13 points, two rebounds, two assists, 26 points against Houston. Sweet The fact that I just totally mumbled all those words at the end, but I'm trying to get to another point here. The fact that Nigel Pack is their number three scorer I think says a lot about Miami's offense. Like – this is a guy that was came here to be like one of the centerpieces. Maybe they're supposed to be their best player, and he's their third leading scorer. So it's definitely the most paid, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time, big time. So we have the potential of a Nigel Pack versus Nigel Pack national championship with Miami Kansas State, but didn't get there. All right, UConn. I'm going to go with an unsung hero for them, or I guess their glue guy or their most important guy. Kind of like if you look at past national champions, look at Mark Vital, except I think this guy's better. But Andre Jackson Jr., 
six points, six rebounds, four assists average. His stat lines are stupid in this tournament. Just like every single stat line is like, okay, he didn't do anything. But then you're like, wait a second. Yes, he did. Wait, no, he didn't. Oh, yeah, he did. He had, this is a points, rebounds, assists in order. He had eight, nine, and 10 against Gonzaga, seven, eight, and seven against Arkansas, six, six, and seven against St. Mary's, and 10, five, and seven against Iona. So he's, he's stuff in the stat sheet, no doubt. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a triple double in one of these, one of these games. He got pretty close against Gonzaga. Only needed another bucket and another rebound. But, uh, yeah, I've talked a lot about how Andre Jackson might be one of the most athletic players I've seen in a while. He can't shoot, which is a problem, but it hasn't been that big of a problem recently. Teams have still been playing off, and it's still not working to their advantage. So he's an important player, and so is Jordan Hawkins, who averages 16 points, three rebounds, and an assist. Had 24 against Arkansas. In the Sweet 16 and 20 against Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. If he goes, they go. I think everybody knows that. If Hawkins is making shots, he wasn't making anything in the first half against Iona, and they were down two at the half, and then they all turned it on in the second half. And then the third one is obviously the big man, Adama Sonogo, averages 17 points, seven rebounds. 1.3 assists for a center is pretty good. Yeah. I guess he passes out a lot. His best game of the tournament was the first one where he turned it on 28 and 13 against Iona. So. We're going to see. I mean, UConn's got about nine weapons that can kill you. So, <laughs> I mean, you just look. You have Tristan Newton, Naheem Aline, Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sonogo, Donovan Klingon, Alex Caravan, Joey California, and I might have forgotten one. But that's eight right there. So, I don't think anybody's eight deep. I think Miami's like six deep in terms of real threats. FAU's probably like five and then SDSU's probably like six or seven, but that's not real offensive threat. The 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 contrast and leading scores for Miami and San Diego is kind of funny. I think Miami has like four double digit average scores and San Diego State has one and I think it's uh Matt Bradley is their top scorer and he averages uh twelve points per game. So they have a lot of guys that are averaging seven or eight points, kind of like the Illini. <laughs> There's your line I reference. Uh, the biggest key for each game, or for each team in this game, Miami. Do they have a Sonogo stopper, which would be Omir? And can their guards still put up good numbers against a frontline defense like UConn? Because UConn's got a lot of guys. And Andre Jackson's going to be guarding one of the three guards, probably Jordan Miller. And Tristan Newton, he's no slouch. And Jordan Hawkins, I don't know. I think it's an easier matchup for Miami than Texas was. But we know Texas in their program history. They choke in everything. They spend a ton of money just to choke. And they got a choke artist from Minnesota with the ball in his hands late down the stretch instead of the guy who was all-American level in the tournament last season at Iowa State. Got Iowa State to a Sweet 16, which might be the biggest upset in tournament history if you look at Iowa State with uh, with with Tyrese Hunter. So, uh, And for UConn, simple. Will Calcaterra, Caravan, and Hawkins make shots? If the shots are going in, nobody's beating them. It's that simple. Uh, your thoughts? Toss over to you. Um, I think that uh, Miami's guards have to have a big game for them to uh, have a chance in this. So, my thoughts. Can, can Norchad Omir get 15 rebounds or 20 rebounds against UConn? Yes. 
Okay. I mean, UConn, I feel like I haven't looked at the numbers, but I feel like they're probably one of the best rebounding teams in the country. I mean, Bobby Hurley's team flies around the rim. Why can't Dan Hurley's team? It's true. They're second in offensive rebound percentage in the country. That's only behind Kentucky, who had Shibway. And uh, they don't allow very many offensive rebounds. So that'll be a big factor as well, because if you look at Miami in their tournament games to this point, they had uh, only four offensive rebounds against Texas, but that makes sense because the way Texas plays. Uh, they had only six against Houston. Also makes sense because the way Houston plays. But Indiana, they had 20 offensive boards. And Drake, they had nine. So we'll see if Omer can get it going. He had 14 rebounds against uh, Drake, 17 against Indiana, 13 against Houston, and nine against Texas. But none of those four teams have the interior presence of Sonogo. And we all know Trace Jackson Davis is a fraud because every good player in the Big Ten becomes a fraud marked. It's stupid. <laughs> all right, the picks. Here we go. I went 0-4 in the Elite Eight. You went 1-3 out of just pure luck because you picked the team that I didn't pick. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it, The way that I have have been commenting, you guys would probably think that I'm going to pick San Diego State-UConn, but I'm going to flip it. I'm going to do an all- Florida championship game. Give me FAU over San Diego State and Miami over UConn. I'm being sarcastic when I say this, but I would not watch that game. <laughs> I, I mean, FAU Miami, are you kidding me? There's no way. Honestly, if San Diego State and UConn aren't in, I'm out. <laughs> but, uh, That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I'm going uh, first game. Give me FAU over San Diego State. Uh I think the crazy run's going to continue for the Owls, the Owls. And uh, I think they have a lot of guys in this team that can return next year, I think. Who knows what the NIL opportunities will be for them, but apparently there's teams, there's coaches. Their coach said they're not going anywhere, right? I mean, John L. Davis, Elijah Martin, and Vlad Golden, they're sophomores. So Yeah, but they're going to have uh, Tyree Bryan next year, so they'll be all right. That's true. Former future Illini, Tyree Bryan. <laughs> Bryan. Uh, is Florida Atlantic moving conferences? Why do I think that they're moving conferences? I don't. That I don't know. Let me look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are. Uh, Florida Atlantic's moving to the American Athletic Conference on July first. They could own that conference too. You know why? Houston's going to the Big Twelve. There you go. So your your competition in the in the AAC is Memphis now. So FAU, keep it rolling. I think SDSU's defense will struggle, not in the sense that they won't be playing well, but in the sense that FAU's going to make a lot of shots where you're like, what, what are we even doing here? What are we supposed to do? Because FAU's done that all tournament. I think they're going to make a lot of big shots. And then, I mean, I should pick Miami if I really cared about Dan Hurley and the UConn <laughs> you program. Should. Yeah, you should. But I'm going to test it. I'm going to test it. Give me the Huskies. Give me the Huskies. Uh, I think oh, I think the they- X. I think they shoot their way to a big uh, a big win. I don't think the shots that Miami's been getting are going to fall as much. Um, and I think Norchad Omir is going to struggle against Adama Sonogo. So UConn, FAU National Championship game. You going to watch that one? Well, obviously. I mean, my, <laughs> my, my guy, I might even get a UConn shirt for that game. Oh, um, yeah. Better get it ordered now. 
You know what my wife did? She ordered a UCLA shirt to wear against the Gonzaga. And she's like, I got three more, three, three or four more wears out of this. Then they lost. So do not order the shirt if you want UConn to win. I remember eh, like 10 years ago, I got a Syracuse shirt when they were going on a deep run because I used to not, (laughs) I used to not hate Jim Beheim. And then back when, yeah. Back when Syracuse was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And then they lost. I think everybody was a Syracuse fan at one time. And then Bayheim became a complete dickhead moron in the ACC. I mean, the fact that, that program's in the ACC, some conference realignment is just so stupid. Uh, but college basketball is going to look a lot different next year in the Big 12. Let me tell you that. Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU all going to the Big 12. A couple years from now, you'll see UCLA, USC in the Big 10. It's going to get real dumb around here, let me tell you. Uh, but in terms of ratings in the national championship game, what possible matchups do you think are the highest rated? I think UConn San Diego State's number one. Yeah. I think UConn FAU is number two because UConn is going to be. I would say Miami FAU might be number three and Miami San Diego State number four, but I don't really know. It could be reversed in the three and the four, but either I way, number I one and two. Four would be reversed. But... Number one and two revolve around UConn for sure. Like UConn's going to be the number one rating in the national championship if they get there no matter what. Um, but either way, as I said at the beginning of this program, uh, ratings shouldn't matter to us normal people, you know? I don't know why we should care. I don't care. Exactly. I'm going to watch the game. I don't care if anybody else does. Yeah, you know, there's only one brand left right now, so I'm sure the NCAA is loving this. Expand it to 96, it'll get even weirder. <laughs> That's true. I, I'm done with the NCAA tournament. It goes to 96, by the way. Okay. You mean we won't have to do these anymore? It will be over. <laughs> Zero interest in a 96-team tournament. How do you hold on? How do you start a petition on change.org? I don't think we need one. I don't think it's actually gonna happen. I was, it was comical. Sorry. Man. Anyways. So with my comment, I mean, what? so uh, how come you can't move the little box over to the middle so we didn't cover up FAU the whole time? Huh? What box? This fix stream fix your shit streamyard. Yeah, they need to let us move those around, and they need to let us move other things around too. But like these cameras right here, they look you know look sick. Uh, but yeah, all right. Uh, in terms of what we're going to be doing here moving forward, I think we'll do a national championship game preview and discuss the final four games either Sunday or Monday. It's up to you, really. Um, And then usually we do a national championship game recap right after the game, and it's usually Or after one shining moment. Well, the last couple years I think we've done it right before. Okay. Because our national championship recap is usually 10 minutes. So we will see. And then after that, in terms of college basketball content on here, I think uh, we'll see you in October. (laughs) Would be uh, would be my thoughts, and obviously you can check out the Illini basketball podcast, which will be multiple times throughout the summer, um, amongst others. And if you're looking for other content that'll be posted on this podcast feed, you're gonna see some stuff. I got uh, some NHL playoff stuff. I got some uh, NHL draft stuff. I got a couple guys to talk to for that. Um, unless you want to join as well. Uh, <laughs> 
talk about how Adam Fantilli would be the number one pick in any draft, but he's not going to be the number one pick in this draft. Same with Leo Carlson and Matt Vemechkov. But anyway. Yeah, Fantilli, um, that's disappointing. That, yeah, so. Um, yep, no doubt. Uh, so, yeah, there'll be plenty of stuff on here. Just We won't talk college basketball after the, the next two for many months. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm going to keep the small cameras going with the rest of this thing so you can see the entire thing here and we'll see uh, everybody uh before the national championship game and Is hopefully Oregon colors what are you doing here are you see you got Oregon shirt on picked a random color for this uh-huh. this is the too light of a green for Oregon if you can see Oregon here it's a little bit darker wrong side this one and you can see it real up up close here we'll just do this see that that's a darker green than this mm. it's like right next to it you can see easily so nice yeah, but I'm saying in the background it looks the same all right, we'll see everybody uh, for the National Championship game.